everybody, welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We've got another Halloween offering for you. Uh, our second annual slate of uh, Halloween films here. So we've done Boxing Helena, Vampire's Kiss, and now we are looking at The Deadly Spawn. 1983's The Deadly Spawn. I think it could best be described as a creature feature. This is about... Uh, hideous alien creatures that land on earth and wreak havoc for a family um although i don't know I, we're gonna have to talk about what exactly the situation is in that house how many people live in that house why are there multiple <laughs> adults in that house is this a is this like a duplex i, I don't know yeah, i never question I never number one was, what, do you yeah. guys know what's going on in that house <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, we'll get to that uh this movie also went under the title return of the aliens the deadly spawn and a couple other similar titles basically they were just trying to totally capitalize on Ridley Scott's Alien, which came out in 1979. The sequel did not come out till 1986 with Aliens. So this is one of those cases where, you know, you're trying to market overseas and uh, they don't know, uh, is this is this part of it? No, uh, sure it is, yeah. So uh, Return of the Aliens was what it went under to try to, um, you know, steal the thunder from the Alien series or, or fledgling series at that time. It doesn't have anything to do with the with Alien or the Alien series, although it does crib a decent bit in certain ways, so we can uh, talk about that. Although I would say also there are certain things from this movie that it may have inspired, possibly. There might be certain things we could look at and say, hey, this is kind of like this other movie that came later. So I had never seen this movie before. I uh, picked it. Uh, you know, we will do stuff I've seen and love, obviously, on the show. But we also do stuff that we people have recommended, and we'll do stuff that I've never seen. I've just come across one way or another, looks interesting, or I've heard something about it. This movie, the only reason I picked it is because it has a poster where it looks like they are giant penis monsters with teeth. And uh, we did a uh, like a parody poster for this thing for some for a project I was working on, Fake Lampoon. Uh, it's on Twitter. Haven't done anything on it for a while. This was a fake Wes Craven poster. We were messing around with Halloween ones. Uh, it was just a very striking, weird 1980s kind of poster. I was curious about it. So the deadly spawn went on my list as like, oh, I'll see what this is all about. <laughs> so uh, that's where this episode came from. Uh, although we did have one member who has seen the deadly spawn before all this, independent of that. He sought out the deadly spawn on his own. Beyond that, not a whole lot of background information to go into. Uh, it was written and directed by Douglas McCown, and it looks to be his only feature film. He did a couple of short films, and then I think he got into, like, drama teaching and things like that. But uh, he didn't direct any other films. And then uh, it only had a $25,000 budget, which is very, very small. Uh, for I will say, and we'll talk about the effects at length, but wow. for the budget that they had, 25000 they milked it on those effects. They got some pretty solid stuff out of twenty-five grand because that money definitely did not go to the acting. So I don't know if it was successful. I couldn't find any money on, um, you know, how much it made or anything theatrical. It, I, I would think, on a twenty-five thousand dollar budget, it would have had to have turned a profit on video. Like, like how could you not in the eighties when this would have come out with VHS being as prevalent as it was? But I don't think it was ever any kind of big hit. Uh, we have 
everyone on this episode's a horror fan. Other than you, Eric, no one else has seen this, right? Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, I think that kind of tells you, like, this movie never, like, really caught on or became any kind of big thing. Um, you know, so it's, while it definitely has its strong points, I would say, you know, it's, it's never become any kind of big deal. So I, I doubt it was, like, particularly successful at the time. But again, on 25 grand, it likely made back its money eventually. All right. So we'll launch into things here. Uh, we've got. A crew of horror fans joining us here, and first up, breaking away from Jack a little bit uh, with uh, another solo entry, we have uh, Eric upping his podcast score. And oh, she's never going to catch me. <laughs> yes, uh, and Eric, uh, you have seen the Deadly Spawn before, right? I have. Uh, yeah, it's all about ten years ago. Okay, what led you to the Deadly Spawn? So I was working at the DVD store that I used to work at when I first moved to New York, um, where I would just ship the DVDs that they sold online. Yeah. And a lot of them were very obscure titles because the place just bought out a bunch of like video stores that went bunk. And I happened to, I saw the front cover of this one and was like, what is this? So I used to watch movies at work like all day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember watching it and thinking this is pretty good it's kind of like a hidden gem i've never heard of it um but i could never remember what the movie was called so i was never able to recommend it to anybody and then when you brought it up as this and i looked at the title i was like oh that movie and so the cover (laughs) the cover brought you to it as well then yes so Eric's over there like, hey, I saw this really great movie. Uh, I can't remember the title, but it's got penis monsters. I wouldn't yeah. Google that. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, over here talking about penis monsters is Jimmy. So welcome, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I was expecting was having the uh, VHS recognition of the box from like my old days going to a local blockbuster. You know, there's certain... Uh, horror movies that I recognize the poster from just from being a young lad walking down the horror aisle and being yeah. a little freaked out by some of the things I see but never being able to watch them and I assume that would be what I would uh, have happened with the Deadly Spawn but um, yeah I, I don't recall ever seeing this poster anywhere in my horror aisle at Blockbuster so all right, never seen it never even heard of it so well, you had to go to, like, good, uh, you know, VHS rental places. You know, like mom and pop ones, not not your blockbusters. Hey, I wish Beckett Sound and Video, New Lexington, <laughs> Ohio. Uh, all right. Uh, and uh, joining us here, our horror resident horror junkie, David, to talk about The Deadly Spawn. I had never seen it before. Uh, even my friends who watch every horror movie, uh they didn't seem to uh, one when I sent a few photos went I she said that she uh, does not remember it but recognizes that monster so she must have seen it as a kid but other than that like everyone's just like what the hell is that cool uh, that's what yeah, that show's which, all about and um, yeah it's a hell of a movie all right, so with that, we will open the floor. What do we make of the Deadly Spawn? 
I, I liked it a lot 10 years ago, and I liked it rewatching it today. Um, I think what you mentioned earlier about uh, it perhaps inspiring some things, I mean, we'll get to that, but I, I definitely was thinking about that watching it. Uh, yeah, certain scenes just kind of were reminiscent of movies that it definitely predates. For the time and budget, the monster and gore effects were pretty damn impressive, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's lean. It's a lot of fun. So that kind of like the kind of midnight movie creature feature uh, for me, it's better than anything like Hennelotter ever did. It kind of plays like one of those movies. Um, like uh, what's uh, Brain Dead? Like uh, Brain Dead, Basket Brain, Case, Brain Dead, ba- the Basket series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did you watch the we were talking about this a few months ago. Did you watch the Basket Case sequels? No. I okay, cuz I I'm I don't like the first one, but 2 and 3 like cut loose and go wild and they get mm-hmm. kind of crazy with the David, don't give me that look. The first one's not very good. <laughs> 80% of the second one's not good. The only I'm not good saying, in that one none the of them are like minutes. none of them are like good movies, but the second two are uh, 2 and 3 are at least fun. The first one is, ah, no thanks, but... Nah. All right. Anything else, Eric? Oh, no, that's all I'll get into okay. right now, I guess. Jimmy? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll agree with Eric. I think, um, especially for the budget, uh, they do a lot with it. A low-budget movie in the early 80s isn't going to be, you know, mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. It's not going to be great. <laughs> mind-bogglingly. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do think that there is a lot to take from it. Um, and to Eric's point, like they do some things that I was initially watching and was like, ah, they're doing some interesting things with the camera and some of the, like the shadows and like this director probably like, I got to look this up and see who this director was. Cause he's got to have done other things. He's done, he's done a couple. Of, and I was like, no, his IMDb is literally just, Writer, director, producer, did the Deadly Spawn. So it's just his credits are the poster for the Deadly Spawn three times. <laughs> yes, and uh, the cast has done virtually nothing else. I mean, they were some of them were in a handful of other kind of schlocky things, and the the father at the very beginning looked like he had the lengthiest career, where he did some like schlocky stuff right around the time of this, and then didn't get back into acting until maybe like early 2010s and then he's been in some stuff since um he had maybe like one or two kind of like he was in a couple like notable things i was like oh he was in an episode of that or it was was something like that where he did get his way into something of note but most of it was just sort of like sound like direct to streaming direct to dvd type stuff but yeah most of the cast unknowns and uh, not in much all right david okay um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, when you said that it was, I didn't realize that it was, uh, made for so little money. Like, I'm just now looking up, uh, it, it was made for the equivalent of, uh, much, like, less than half of what the people in 66 spent on, um, uh, on Manos, the hands of fate. Like Manos was nineteen thousand and sixty six, and I just did the uh, inflation calculator. And, and this, this is, movie this is was less than half of that. Twenty five, yeah, because uh, okay. 
according to like nineteen thousand and sixty six was worth fifty eight in eighty three. Gotcha. Yeah, and I'm just it's amazing how good everything or rather every monster looked in this movie. I was gonna say not everything, but yeah, I, monsters. <laughs> I took uh I paused the movie at least four times to take a photo and send it to friends, being like, You gotta see this. Um like the 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 skull is just chef's kiss good. Um, yeah. Everything else about the movie is crap. The writing, yeah. the acting. <laughs> yeah. But, god damn it, I was grinning ear to ear every time there was a monster. Yeah. And yeah. they and they don't shy away from, like, no. doing as much as they can with the gore and the mod. Like, they're not... There's sometimes where they're using camera tricks to, like, not have to show something on screen. But it's more of a stylistic choice because, yeah, they swing for the fences with, like so many scenes with the monster in it it actually there, doing things and like... one part I'll talk about later where I feel like the budget made them pull their punch <laughs> and I was like yeah. oh come on but other than that I, I agree with you I think they uh, yeah they were definitely like pushing as far as they could I, as far as comparison goes I was curious to be since we're talking about like low budget and what you can do with it I was curious. I didn't know what the original Evil Dead cost because we always think of the the Evil Dead being a low budget film and not a Hollywood film. So they had three hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and that was in nineteen eighty one. So I don't know what that equates to today, but probably like six hundred grand or something. Um, so this is, you know, a fraction of that. And I will say, Evil Dead is certainly a better film and certainly more innovative in many ways. But as far as the monster effects go in this, it's comparable to some of the monster effects in Evil Dead. I mean, a lot of Evil Dead, it's just like, all right, we're going to take this lady and make her look like a creepy zombie. Um, whereas here, like, they had to, like, actually, like, build a fucking, a bunch of alien puppets and shit that uh, had to look convincing. Oh, the monster design, you could see a slimy texture on them that was just for me personally I was just like oh oh that's disgusting it's so good <laughs> all right so uh for myself yeah David kind of hit it on the head there at the end the rest of this movie is not good uh-huh. <laughs> the effects are very good and very fun and it's very like good monster movie kind of stuff it's a good you know watching it it's not it's not like it's not so bad you would laugh at it. We can talk about this kind of stuff at the end. So it's not like that level kind of thing. But this is a great just sitting down with a very schlocky B-movie horror kind of thing, especially for, like, Halloween time. Um, but, yeah, the acting is rough. The script is really meandering when aliens aren't on screen. There's a lot of questions in terms of, why are there so many people in this house and how do they all, how are they all involved? And we'll get into all that. Um, yeah, there, there's no characters to care about. And I say all that, not as like, uh, Oh, this movie was dog shit. I say it as like, just know what you're getting in for. Um, because I think the good stuff is the horror aspects, the, you know, the, the monster effects. And that's what I really liked and enjoyed about it. The rest of the stuff, I'm just kind of like, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? 
Like I'm just, you know, waiting for something cool to happen again. Um, all right. So from there, I'd say we launch into stuff. I think we save talking more about the monsters here since that's the, the best bit. I think we hold off on that and let's talk about plot and character and questions we had. Let's do that first so we can save <laughs> the positive for later. Well, as far as I can understand about what's going on in that house, um, it's it's basically there's there's parents that are parents of the two boys, yeah, and I believe an aunt and uncle are visiting, but they aren't and there I, when the day starts. Do they or, or are they? I I think they are. I think the basic <sighs> idea that we are get the setup we're given is that the parents are like gonna go on vacation, yeah, and then they're murdered immediately in the beginning within the first five ten yeah. minutes. So those are the kids' suddenly, parents. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, those, those, those are the are parents. parents. But then suddenly, two new adults appear, and it's like, wait, did they get rebooted? What's going on? <laughs> and eventually, you kind of suss out, oh, this is like an aunt and uncle. But I never was. It was never clear to me. Like, are the aunt and uncle staying there because the parents I think they're are just going for on the vacation? Weekend. Yeah, they're visiting for right. For but a bit, yeah. were they already staying there? Did they show up that morning? I I was lost on like, do they live there? I like, I it, it was confusing to me. The uncle says, uh, so yeah, the parents, Sam and Barbara, I made note of their names and then realized, oh, names don't matter in this No, movie. no. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the two of them um, are going on a trip and all that. A, a day trip? I don't know. Um, while having Yeah, because he keeps saying that the, the car is coming back for him to use it, so the parents are supposed to be coming back that day, I think. Yeah, but then... Um, yeah, the uncle says at one point, uh, don't worry, we'll be out of your hair by Monday. So I was like, oh, they're only there for the weekend. And um, the aunt, I believe, is the one who finds the uh, note saying, hey, we're leaving. We got up early this morning. Bye. So. Also, the, the aunt has some kind of like tea and biscuits club she goes to that it's like her that, mom or grandmother or something was that in a different house or was that in the same I, house that's the thing in? because i always thought from back when i watched it originally i always thought everything took place in the one house and then i think she mentions going over to a different house but i i, I i'm pretty sure it's the same house because the people come down to see the scene when the party gets invaded by the the monsters and so maybe like they switched plans and the, the people had to come over to well, that the, house the instead kid, or something. The kids come down and find their dead uncle that, who dies off screen. I yeah. thought that was being cut in alongside the tea and biscuits oh. party. Again, if it's to be clear, the movie's not clear on these points. And I don't really know where we are in space and time. I'm You're, mostly oh, focused true. on the creatures. <laughs> but then like did the creatures get... I guess they just traveled to the other house. I don't know how far away it was supposed to be. Maybe they yeah. were neighbors. Well, the the movie starts out with campers. Mm -hmm. And then there's no explanation to why the uh, creatures are in this one house. And at the end, the entire it does, town It does is, show uh, an open yeah. window in the basement. So it shows that, like, they got in. They got in that way, but how did they get all the way from the... Was this the only one? And then in... Uh, at the end of it, it does show, um, like, basically the townspeople doing things. Yeah, it's kind of like a Night of Living Dead ending type thing. Where yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which, up. honestly, I really like that aspect where 
it's a whole town dealing with this, but unlike Critters or something where you end up seeing it both in the town and just the house, well, I guess semi-similar to Critters, Critters ha start, starts off mostly at the house and then ends up uh, going out to the wider town, whereas this, you're pretty much just with this one group. Yeah. Unless that dinner party's at another house, which it might be, I don't know. You, They, they don't tell us, but... I, I like that they focused on um, a very local thing. Yeah. So I, I think it's funny. Um, you guys were hitting on a few different points. That kind of goes back to a thought I had while in the basement. Where I was like, you know what? This movie really rationalizes Kevin McAllister's fear of basements. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait. There's the kid in the house. He's afraid of the basement. He's got a bunch of family there that's apparently going out of town. They check the garage and they're like, they couldn't be gone. The car's still there. Kind of like oh, thing man. that happens in Home Alone. Like, it's hitting on all the marks oh, of wow. Home Alone. If Home Alone <laughs> so Home Alone's monsters. indebted to this movie too? Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> so what you're saying is, so what you're saying is Disney Plus's new Home Sweet Home Alone that they're rebooting in November should incorporate the deadly spawn. They should be here for the next one. If they want to keep it in canon, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. Huh. Um, Home Alone's a ripoff of Deadly Spawn. You heard it here first. <laughs> and last. <laughs> Plus, you had the weird uncle that was asking the kid questions, so that could be, like, you know, the uncle that's a real jerk. Yeah, man. Home yeah. Alone, Did, so. Has the writer ever heard people speak to one another? <laughs> I, I literally thought it was I was in like watching airplane when he was asking that kid questions of yeah. like what well, what do you like to do when you get scared will you dress up in a costume and come down and scare me no that's not gonna work I'll know you're coming and I'm like I was waiting for him to be like you ever seen a grown man naked Joey do you uh, want to dress up like Frankenstein and come down and scare me you ever watch a gladiator movie. <laughs> I actually wrote down a piece of the dialogue from the teenagers, because again, that made no sense. Um, where it was just, all I know is a creepy feeling is not scientific. Monsters from outer space are pure ignorance. And that guy's our fucking hero, by the way. The guy who <laughs> yes. the hero is like, the, like, I don't know, he's like, uh, I mean, he's pre-internet like nerd, but yeah. he's presented almost like he's an angry internet nerd. Like he has the qualities of that where he's just like, kind of like show offy and uppity. And basically the other characters are like, Oh, is something going weird, going weird going on since we found these fucking slug monsters. And he's like, no science would tell us if it was. And he's just like awful to everyone. And then like his next scene is, Hey, but we're going to fuck later. Right? Like to this girl. <laughs> and so like, he's just like, not he's not a good guy he's a and, he's a total schmuck and, but he's our he's our fucking hero our default i mean oh, the, i think the little kid well, I, I was gonna say the little the, by the <laughs> yeah. end, well by the end the little kid like saves the day but yeah. the little kid was gone for so much of the movie that i just True. assumed that like oh this guy must be the lead because he's in so many scenes right now what? I thought I had yeah. missed the little kid dying actually <laughs> because he was gone for like he was like, stuck in the basement notes? But the, 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 yeah, that nerd was, it. he was, 
As a nerd, I'm calling him a nerd. Uh, he was in cell as hell. David can say that because he's a nerd. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, he, he's. I think his name was Pete. He he was insufferable. He negs that girl before uh, yeah. kissing her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite possibly the most awkward kiss I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it, Maybe not the one she gets later from the monster. <laughs> but oh, it's. And the way they all spoke to one another, just it, I I was wondering if they were college kids or teenagers, and then I, you realize that they're teenagers, yeah, and like they're grabbing their dad's uh, biology book. They're going to dissect an alien, and are talking all scientific about it, and then it's let's go grab my dad's old uh, college biology uh, book and I'm like, biology 101's not going to cover this. No. <laughs> not one from 20 just, years just ago. Flip, yeah. Just flip to the alien section. <laughs> yeah, this is... This 1965 biology book's going to give My us dad went to like a really like crackpot conspiracy theory college, so there might be stuff about aliens in there. Yeah, that's the other thing about that. Uh, I was just saying, yeah, that's the other thing about the dynamics in this is I couldn't tell if they were all related, and like there were the three, I we'll call them like college age kids that were in the house the whole time, and because they were so interested in science, it's like, are they in college? Are they students together? Is the weird uncle who's asking the kid about fear like a professor? Yeah. Does it matter? Well, he, no, I think okay. it's college now. That I'm thinking about it because he says I'm a science major when the okay. uncle oh, asks him if he's a scientist. He's like, "Oh, I'm a science major," and he's like, "See, I assume they the were same thing school, as long but... as you have the scientific method." But yeah. I think, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that he does say science major, so it might be it might be college. Yeah. The other thing I couldn't uh, keep thinking about as it moved along is like the first people that we meet in this house are I'm assuming the kids' parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the dads are real real jerk and Mm -hmm. the thing that blew me away was like mom gets out of bed and all she's wearing is like this paper thin see-through nighty and it's like i was like whoa and i was like all right well you know get in the gratuitous nudie actually i literally started a gratuitous nudie counter assuming there would be more and that was the only one so just the mom (laughs) just the mom and then i i started thinking about it she was walking around like that all day like before she ended up kicking the bucket like what is going on in that house Well, in slasher movies, the whores die first. That's the rule. <laughs> the that opening scene uh, with the with the parents with Sam and Barbara, it started off like I thought. It reminded me of some of the '80s TV movie dramas that I, for some reason, have been watching. Like from the music to Family the way tennis. they were talking to each other, uh, all of that, and like. Specifically, 80s, like, Friday night drama movies that were a thing back then. And then the horror movie just killed them all, and or killed the two of them. And, and, and um, Although, character-wise, I do have a question. What's up with Charlie? You're you going to have to tell me, gotta, tell me who, who that tell is. I have no is. fucking idea. That's the little kid. That's, That's the little kid. little kid. That's the little kid. But who, we all uh, haven't watched The Deadly Spawn twice like you, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, like, he he says three lines in the entire goddamn movie, and for the for most of it, I'm like, is he mute? No, I I remember him speaking earlier. 
Cool. No, he just realized that the monsters were, uh, you know, attracted to sound, and so he's yeah, yeah. He probably was an introvert anyway, and yeah. just like, don't talk, okay. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, the uh, what is it, the Quiet Place or one of those yeah, movies? A Quiet Place. Obvious again, rip off of this movie. <laughs> Ted is out. <laughs> yeah, sport well, writer director. Let's, 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 let's get let's get to that. Let's get this that, is a seminal comparison film. coming up. I know. I, I noted that John Krasinski. <laughs> I, I noted that 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 it's definitely similar. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I doubt that that uh, it's it, it's possible Krasinski could have seen this. But we'll talk about just, that coming up. All right. I just imagine other... now in the quiet place. You know, you don't see the monsters for a while, and imagine if you're watching that movie, all of a sudden. They finally show the monsters, and it's just slow-moving, you know, weird penis-looking monster coming at his people. Like, that's what you're running from? <laughs> hey, these things are vicious. They're very if tough. you're in a house during a rainstorm. <laughs> All right, other uh, weird things, other questions, motivations, character stuff, anything that falls under the banner of why is this happening? So uh, I guess keeping on Charles, the, the little kid, um, when he first goes down and sees the monster, and there's, it's it's kind of a weird scene that I kind of like, but I kind of understand because at first he's not, he doesn't seem scared for one, unless you can kind of say that he's like frozen in fear because he stands there and watches this monster like when it's kind of unveiled, uh, like the whole multi-headed one, and he doesn't. You know, at first he's just kind of like frozen, which you cannot understand. But then he kind of like then then it like a, a head rolls out of the monster's mouth, and it's like his mom's head, and it just like skin's just melting off, and he still doesn't really react. He just kind of like sits there, and I mm, get that the scene yes, is trying noted. to like, yes, yeah, that that he's you know because then he starts like snapping his fingers and he's trying to like figure out the monster more so than like react to it which doesn't make sense for a little kid to do that even though they kind of establish that he's he says he's not really afraid of much when his uncle asks him questions about things but yeah like it's a long scene where it's just like unfolding and he doesn't really have a reaction the whole time he took finding uh, aliens and the finding them eating his mother's head he took that with a plum. He was just yeah. like, "This is, this is the way the world." Like that's yeah. where I was like, "Does this kid feel emotions?" Look, Charles is a sociopath, and we just need to deal with <laughs> yeah. that. Charles um, knew this how, was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> that skull, though. Oh, I, I reround and watch that scene three times because of how good. Like, the effect of the slug eating the flesh off of that skull was. Uh, that alone was worth $25,000 <laughs> to me. So, Charles is your spirit animal, to be. If you were rewinding it three times, it's like, well, then, yeah, of course he's going to stand there and yeah. watch that. <laughs> Charles is just the audience. They're like, look how great hey, this is. Let me replay that over cool in my ones. head. <laughs> You don't want to leave now, do you? <laughs> Look, this is, this is what I came to see. I'm sorry, Mom, but this is what my whole life's been building to, is this moment. <laughs> Real monsters. Uh, I mean, I gotta admit, Charles' room, like, uh, his room with all the uh, old monster movie stuff, 
uh, the head, like the head from that one sci-fi uh, movie. Like his room was a—it's a pretty dope room. Uh, I wish I had some of those decorations. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, I'd live in the attic. That's a cool attic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's talk about. We'll, we'll hold off on the uh, particulars of the effects and go into some of that here in a moment. But let's talk about any of those references we've been hanging out there with. Anything that we noticed? I'll just say first off, since we already kind of talked about it, the aliens react to sound, and they appear to be blind or at least not be able to see very well. The movie, as as on many many points with it throughout isn't great on that because there are points where it seems like the aliens can see particularly at the end the kid is sort of like baiting one of them and the alien is coming forward and like the kid is not making noise at that point and the alien's still going toward this like fake head and i'm sitting there thinking but it's all sound based so the alien can't see that so why is this working and then the kid eventually starts making noise and the alien like chomps down and shit but so I don't know if that's just the writers fucking up or if it's that the aliens are supposed to be able to somewhat see. I don't know. Or if they have sonar, never really gone into. But one thing that is clear is they definitely react to sound. When they hear a sound in a place, they are drawn to it and go to it very quickly. And that's where they, you know, go to get their prey and they are feasting on people, and then there's sort of this, like, mother spawn thing, uh, mother alien that's birthing more of them. So, yeah, so there's definitely, like, a quiet place type of vibe to that. Uh, other ones that we noticed. Um, when the mom goes down and discovers the father dead, you get a Jurassic Park moment. Yes, we do. Comes down, she thinks it's the husband, but its <laughs> arm is inside the creature's mouth, and it's like... It shot very Ten similar. Ten years before too. Jurassic Park. Very yeah. similar. Now yeah, I don't. I'm... I don't know if Steven Spielberg, who does watch every <laughs> movie that comes out, I will say he watches tons of stuff. I don't know if he's looking to the deadly spawn to crib from it or take homage, but uh, it was a bit like, huh? That's real close. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it was the first fake out of its kind in movie history, but I, I'd be willing to bet that it. It was. This but, is the moment, uh, if you don't remember, in, in uh, Jurassic Park where Ellie goes to the electrical room where Mr. Arnold, played by Sam Jackson, was going <laughs> originally, and he never came back. So that they, they knew what that meant. And so she goes in there, and then an arm comes down, and she thinks Mr. Arnold awkwardly just laid his arm on her <laughs> shoulder and think like, oh, like everyone does. And she turns around and then, oh, no, his arm has been bitten off. And then there is, and it, it, the rest has been eaten. And then there's a raptor that attacks her. Um, so, yeah, so this scene uh, plays very similarly. The same scene, the blood in the drain, and or right before that when the dad dies, I believe, the blood in the drain and the splatter on the light bulb. Uh-huh. And, it was a bare light bulb on a string, and the way it, uh, the way it's swinging, and the play with shadows, uh, the shadow of the monsters—you can't quite see it yet. That kind of thing. I, that's been done a thousand times, and this is one of the top ten. Maybe not, but this was it. 
that scene, the way they did all of that atmospheric stuff was way better than this movie should have uh, been. Is there a particular one you can remember with blood on a light bulb like that? I yeah, I can't remember. I mean, Reanimator comes to mind, but I don't think there's blood on it in that scene. Okay. But I remember the swinging light bulb in Reanimator has, that's a cool scene. But I don't think it's because of blood. I think it just gets knocked around. It was a cool image. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it had been done uh, otherwise anywhere else. It wasn't any particular one scene, but um, just the monsters and the makeup and how they are kind of living in this world reminded me a bit of Tremors and the monsters and that, you know, just one's underground Uh, and one's above ground, but, you know, both are more so hearing rather than seeing and... um, Well, the Tremors can't see either, I don't think, right? Right, right. Yeah, they they go by sound too, Yeah, vibrations. They they go off vibrations. Yeah. I... I figured it was, uh, especially considering there's tadpole versions of this monster, I figured they were more like uh, uh, those blind fish and uh, or um, deep in the uh, deep in the earth kind of uh, uh, animals that are blind but had have like pseudo eyes that are light sensitive. They yeah. can see shadow. Like a planarian, I think, has. Uh, you know, pseudo light sensitive eyes that can tell where there's a light source. Mm. So that's what I assumed. Okay. I might be overthinking it, but that's what I assumed. It would be a good uh, idea for this movie to have gone into that. I agree with that, but, uh, have uh, one more scene that showed them reacting. Yes. (laughs) Uh, so a few others that I noted, um, so, Considering this movie is coming several years after Alien, and then they were trying to steal the title, which, you know, that could have just been marketing, might not have been the filmmakers themselves. But the little slug monsters, because they do have this like, kind of worm vibe. There's the, the mother alien, which is worm-like, but then it has kind of these, like, tentacle prong things and stuff. Um, but the little slug monsters have a, a vague kind of chestburster feel. Um, in the way the chest burster, once it escapes mm-hmm. in the original Alien and just scuttles across the floor really fast, um, you know, it it's, actually has feet, but it like moves almost snake like. So there's a similarity to that. And then there's also kind of a chest burster scene. Uh, I think it's his stomach, but the uncle is like, has been eaten, and one of them is like popped out, I think, of his stomach and not his chest. But it's a similar look to the chest burster in Alien. Like, it's already out, I think. I don't think it emerges. It's, like, eating its way out. So I noted those. And then Jimmy mentioned the Tremors connection, which, you know, this movie could have partially inspired uh, Tremors a little bit. Um, the, the heads of them don't look the same because the Tremors ones have, like, big beaks. Um, these monsters, the end of them... It's just like a mouthful of teeth, like rows and rows of teeth. It's just like a big, almost like, and this is kind of a weird comparison, but almost like a big Muppet mouth. So like how the Muppets <laughs> just have like, you know, just yeah. a big opening, open flap. Now put tons of horrible teeth in there and make the Muppet like oozing with pus. And you got a good idea of what they're doing here because there's no eyes. There's no other discernible features on the face of like the bigger ones. But I compared them in my notes to... Tremors mixed with Langoliers mixed with penises. Because the Langoliers, if you remember from, I don't know how they're described in the book, but at least in the miniseries, 
they have these big mouths full of teeth, like cannonballs with like all these like mm. teeth jutting different places. So there's some similarity there. Any others? Um, yeah, the the smaller ones reminded me of uh, Slither. Okay, yeah. the more recent. Yeah, well, Wouldn't Sli- surprise Slither me if, was if... a remake of an older movie too. I think. I was. Oh, it was. I think so. I think there's one from the '70s or something. I was. I could have sworn I had seen another movie in the '80s that had like worm-like creatures, but I could have been mistaken. Again, yeah, because I was trying to look up different titles that I remembered that weren't like Night of the Comet or Night of the Creeps. Or, those are more like zombies, but I, I could be wrong. But it's I, I felt like there was another movie with little worm-like creatures, but but yeah, Slither definitely came to mind. Yeah, all my references were mostly to Home Alone rather than uh, uh, horror movies, so I, I, I'm all I'm all tapped out on on uh, comparisons. The big one kind of reminded me a little of a uh, little shop of horrors. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> going going into this movie, I expected it to be more like uh, something like a terror vision, where there's sure alien wackiness, um, but no. It was a lot more uh, bloody and horror than uh, that. And plus, Terror Vision actually had actors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I went in uh, like uh, I, I. It feels like the setup is similar to a lot of setups of eighties um, horror movies. Uh, Eric, looks like I was wrong. I don't. There is a slither from the seventies, but looks like it has nothing to do with horror. But there is a movie called Slugs the Movie. From 1988, uh, which I've never seen, and so that might have some similarities going on. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, the 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 party scene or the little get together, the kitchen reminded me of Gremlins a bit with the one getting chopped up in the blender. Yeah. Mm. That was that was tasty. <laughs> um, I can't, I couldn't place it, but. Uh, when they find the uncle and his eyes are eaten out. That felt familiar. Like, uh... Well, it felt like a Friday the 13th type of thing where, like... Yeah. They get killed off screen and then discover them later kind of a deal. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. And I, I... I mean, eyeballs getting destroyed is is a pretty common thing in, in movies. And it was really well done in this one. <laughs> All right, so should we dive into uh, dive into all the effects work going on? Yeah, I mean, uh, initially when the movie started, um, I think the first two deaths were all um, shadow-based. And, like, yeah, there was a lot of gore to it in terms of just blood spatter and some of the other things of that. So um, I was definitely kind of wondering, all right, at what point are we actually going to see this thing? Uh, are they going to wait until the last 10 minutes before we actually see it and it's all going to be shadows going up to that um, but yeah then they just jump right in and, and it is truly impressive to see both I think they did an excellent job with the like the mother monster and like the little tadpole ones and the way they were like slithering across the floor um, I think I read that they were using it almost like they had a, like a like line cut in the floor and had yeah. them on like a little like stick or something and we're kind of moving them across um, and it works like yeah i mean i thought yeah. that looked great um the medium-sized ones looked really excellent that were kind of like crawling on the walls and hanging off of people's appendages so 
Um, I don't know if there was a single point in the movie where I was like, eh, that was that could have done better in terms of the effects. Um, there was never a, a zipper moment, if you will. Uh, I would say the the only almost zipper moment I had was um, not when the monster is bursting through one of three doors, but when it's just standing in the one door, like perfectly framed. And if you search the movie, it's one of the images you see. I was like, okay, they maybe should have lit it slightly different. Like it was that was a little bit too much of harsh light on it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, though, for a movie that shows the monster so much, I did not get bored with it. Mm-hmm. Like, Alien, the original Alien, uh, the guy stands up in the Alien outfit at the end, it's the only time you see the Alien 100% full straight on, and you can tell that is a guy in a suit. It's still amazing, and a beautiful movie, and I love it, but... You can kind of tell that's a guy in a suit, whereas this is, this alien is in no way humanoid, and it stands up throughout. Yeah, the the first one they're talking about, uh, as Jimmy mentioned, you know, they, they could have jawsed this, they could have hitchcocked this, where they just kept the alien totally in shadows, and you see, like, blood splatter, and you see, you know, teeth for a second, you could have just like teased it until the very end, but they're like pretty overt with it throughout. So to the director's credit, even though the rest of the movie doesn't work very well and he didn't direct anything else, he knew how to hit his horror beats. Like he knew what the audience was looking for. Uh, as they said in Evil Dead, uh, somebody recommended the Evil Dead team keep the blood running down the screen when they went to uh, when they went to make that and so they actually include a little Easter egg of that at one point there's blood literally running down a uh, projector screen so uh, just as like this was a friend of theirs was saying like that's what horror fans want and this guy knew that um, but yeah the that first attack where the alien attacks well I guess the dad is attacked but we don't see much but when it attacks the mom which is you know minutes later, we get its full, big, hideous Muppet mouth going after her, and it rips her face off. Like, <laughs> I was just expecting, okay, and now it chomps down on her head, or it cuts away, or whatever. But they actually have it, like, bite into her face and tear flesh, mm. you know, fake flesh away from her face. Now, if these filmmakers had, you know, an extra you know million dollars or something that could have been like million even i was gonna say like five thousand yeah i mean like i'm just saying like it could have been like even crazier more elaborate but even for the money they had it was like oh shit and do we want to talk about moments that were you know rewinding that was one where i was like oh i gotta go back and watch how they did that and yeah and then later like her her face is getting like stuff is getting peeled off of her face after she's been decapitated and the father's been decapitated so like they don't hold back um throughout these aliens love to eat faces and heads yes that's Um, what's making all the noise that's it shut up i'm gonna eat your face (laughs) in a smaller moment of great effects uh first of all that uh, teenager, college age, uh, uh, like the the nerdy girl, she was dissecting one of the slugs with a razor blade, not not with a scalpel, not with a knife, 
a, a straight up just a razor blade, which I'm like, that that's a bold move. But the effects on her cutting it open and just seeing the inside of them was so good. That was gnarly. Yeah. Just, ugh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what, like, my favorite part of the movie was in terms of those. And I definitely think everything within the basement is A+. plus. Right. I don't think there's a, a moment in the basement that isn't uh, really, really well done, both in terms of the style choices and what you see. Um, but I also got to say, I, I do love it when all of a sudden the aunt has her book club or picnic party. High tea or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, tea party, whatever it is. Um, and just seeing the absolute mayhem that happens <laughs> When you have them on the couch and one's got one hanging off her leg and someone's on yeah. the floor and she's got one on her face. And um, to do that in broad daylight, uh, that was like the first moment where you just saw everything kind of without shadows. And uh, it was equally as impressive. One of my favorite bits, um, there's a girl who's set up as sort of like the, the female lead and she ends up getting dispatched uh, fairly early on after her introduction and another girl ends up being the survivor but so this girl uh, as is the aliens want to do gets her head munched on and bitten off and then she gets her headless body is like thrown out the second floor window yeah. in just a wonderful bit of 1980s uh, practical goofy effects and it actually reminds me of uh, I, I've mentioned on the show before but there's uh a thing they used to do in Columbus called Bad Movie Night, and they look it up on, I think they have, like, a, the intro for it on YouTube, but they used to show clips out of context from all kinds of movies, and I think, I think at least one moment of the Deadly Spawn they used to use, because there's a part where a girl says, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they used to cut that in to certain things. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, there's this great image of that, it, from that where a guy in a clown costume leaps through a glass window on the second floor like arms out and just like straight shots out of it it just always makes me laugh every time i see it and this was a similar kind of vibe of this headless body being flung out this window uh so i dug that yeah i actually think that scene just kind of like like for me completely defies the expectations of the of a horror movie where like yeah that character you wouldn't expect to get offed in that way when they're kind of establishing like a little bit of a, a thing between her and the lead. And, you know, if you kind of go by slasher rules, then like she'd be the final girl, but that doesn't really happen. She just, yeah. And it just happens so quickly. And it's almost like, like almost like the movie doesn't even care about her. Well, the director, um, I read that the director, there's, there's different claims. One claim is that the actress had a different job and they needed to just like write her out of the script. And so that's what happened. The director claims he was trying to intentionally subvert your expectations of what you're saying, Eric. We yeah. just expect, oh, she's been set up to survive. Um, but now that you're talking about it, it makes me think of The Blob, the fantastic 1988 The Blob, which this movie has some similarities to, of a creature lands from outer space, wreaks havoc on the town. Obviously, there's the 50s version of the same setup. But in The Blob, they do that subversion of expectations. Spoiler alert for The Blob. But they set up the handsome... Have you never seen The Blob, David? 
No, I was just messing. Okay, I was, I was like, I, my mind was going to be blown if that was the case. Um, but they set up like the handsome football player that he's going to be our, you know, our hero that's going to defeat the blob in the end. And he gets blobbed up pretty quick in the movie and he gets killed. And then um, Matt Dillon as the like tough greaser dude who before that seemed like he was going to be kind of like a jerk badass that probably gets killed. Like he's going to do something that's going to get him eaten. He ends up, you know, kind of being the hero. So that's a subversion there that I, I don't think they're pulling from this movie, but it's a similar kind of thing. That that scene does set up like the best piece of acting in the movie. Uh, Pete, that guy, I think his name is Pete. The I love guy that you keep who, using the guy's names. Yeah, the oh, guy yes, who. Yes, Pete. Uh, oh, of course, Pete. <laughs> yes, the guy, the the nerdy guy who is insufferable, but is kind of set up to be the lead. Uh, his response after seeing her die, walking on the outside of the house, seeing his parents' car, realizing they're dead. His response is, I I thought was very realistic of kind of being in shock and just being like, "No, nah, I'm just gonna walk out to where the monster is. Don't care." Like, and his friends are trying to hold on to him. Oh, yeah. Like, he, like, his little psychotic break right there, where he breaks with reality, because it was the most believable piece of acting in this movie. I think the monsters did some, some pretty solid acting throughout. I was, I was believing them. <laughs> so since you brought it up, David, in terms of the guy being on the roof and, uh, then deciding rather to go back inside the house and higher up. They definitely were hitting all of the horror movie tropes of doing exactly opposite of what you would expect some rational person to do. And especially in this case where, like, you know, I get it if it's a slasher movie and you're running for your life from someone who is quick-paced and trying to, like, stab you to death with a knife. But these monsters are like, all right, we're in the room. What are we going to do? I mean, there's a window here. Yeah, we might have, you know twist an ankle if we jump out of this but we could probably leisurely stroll up the road and be out of harm's way kind of in the same way that the tea party did they were like let's get the hell out of here and drive away um but at no point did anyone think that would be a good idea and the fact that they actually went outside the house and on the roof and then decided well the clear the clear thing to do is to go back in um just made me laugh uh quite a bit it was raining it was raining hard, but not hard enough to not have a tea party. <laughs> All right. Other stuff we liked. I'll throw out this this little bit. The the the, uh, the music throughout is a very, like, synthesizer-y 1980s stuff. I listened through it. Uh, I didn't love it, but I could see, like, some people getting into it. It was released, um, like, on CD, maybe vinyl not too long ago. But weirdly, they if you look it up on like YouTube, somebody's uploaded all the tracks. They don't include the actual opening theme, which was the only part that I really liked because the opening theme has this very like throwback 50s sci-fi kind of mm-hmm. like theremin-y creepy thing going. Um, and for whatever reason, it's not included on the uh, you know the actual official soundtrack release. But I like that. I like the the throwback theme they give at the beginning of the movie, and it sets the tone well for the kind of vibe they're trying to hit. I thought the ending score had a little of that '50s sci-fi ishness to it as well. Yeah, 
that I'm remembering. The vinyl, it was put out by Mondo. Uh, quality uh, yep. soundtrack vinyl uh, uh, label. And it's a painted cover of the, the gaping maw yes. of that main. The Muppet Man. Uh, yes, just teeth, cavernous throat and blood and I might have to order this yeah I was, I was gonna say it's now on David's wish list I knew the <laughs> second I of... mentioned the second I mentioned that it was on vinyl I knew it was going to perk him up this was happening. I'm messaging I'm messaging my local uh, uh, I'm messaging bucket of blood like right now to ask them to order do they uh, do they get in uh, out of print like because that'd be a, a long out of print Mondo one? Do they still like get them from places? Uh, they would try. Okay, cool. Yeah, because there is a Mondo one that I would very much like to get, but it was prior to when I was getting Mondo, which is the Clue soundtrack. Bring it back, Mondo. <gasps> what? Somebody somebody put it out. Yeah, it was like 2015, and I. I got into Mondo just when they did the Back to the Future trilogy because, of course, I had to. But any releases they did prior to that, I wasn't weren't on my radar, and so I only found out later that they did a release of the Clue soundtrack. I was like, God damn it! And so now it's expensive. Jimmy, you have something to say about this film? I was more so a question, and uh, I know we were meant to believe that the uh, the young kid who is a horror introvert. Um, yeah picked up on the fact that you know hey sound makes these things come at you um and you know like i under most of the people were probably pretty loud when they were running away from these giant monsters but do you think that kid was that quiet in the house <laughs> as he was doing some of his like his handiwork and you know the completely openness of where like none of the monsters were i don't know the house looked creaky Unless he knows every little space. We also weren't shown how he got out of the basement. Because he's yeah. down, in, unless I missed it, he's down in the basement and he figures out the noise thing. And he like throws something to make a sound and the monster like kind of turns. And you figure, okay, he's going to like bolt and we're going to get a scene like that. But it doesn't happen. And then he's in the basement and we like see the door of the basement and we think, oh, he's going to burst through or something. And nothing happens. The movie just yep. keeps like, like, what's what's this here for? And then he's out of the movie for like twenty five minutes of like an hour and a half movie. And I, it's a, it's a kid in a horror movie, and they usually don't die. And they already set it up that he figured shit out. So it's like, well, he's not going to be dead. Otherwise, this movie like really doesn't know what it's doing. But yeah, then they never come back and show how he gets out of there. And it's like, well, presumably he just like tricks it enough that he can run away. But. That seems like a you scene know we those stairs gotten. to that basement were creaky as hell, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that moment where he snaps and then snaps again, very well done. But yeah, uh, kid disappears. I assumed he died, <laughs> and then he comes back. Uh, what other movies have um, like a Calvary type person who shows up? After being gone for half an hour, 45 minutes. Well, the Monster Squad has the literal Calvary, but they were not in the movie prior to that yeah. point. How long was uh, Han Solo out of Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, uh, like 20 minutes, 25 long. minutes, maybe. Jaws, I guess. You think Richard Dreyfus is maybe dead? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's not necessarily Calvary as much as just like 
Way to go, blowing up that shark. It's a whiny you, cavalry. You want to you come back to shore? <laughs> well, now that the shark's dead, we can we can swim home, right? Uh, also, does that anyone did anyone pick up on what that kid actually did to that like monster head that caused yeah. it to explode using an extension cord? <laughs> He stuffed it full of uh, black powder. You see him with a box of black powder, as children have. I'm gonna say this kid. If this if this was the 2000s, this kid'd be coming to school with a gun. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, hopefully as, on the day monsters show up, so he's a hero. Right. I mean, this was oh, '83. I remember back in '96, '97, uh, making black powder with some friends of mine in West Virginia. <laughs> like, I mean. Depending on where you are, David later it's committed feasible. several terrorist attacks. <laughs> I did not. Um, I want that to be yeah. Yeah. Put that one out. We need that on the record. I did not. But no, uh, there are no last names. That's it. I'm not posting this one on on my Facebook thing. <laughs> but no. Uh, yeah, that, that's an industrious uh, 10-year-old kid that has black powder and figures out how to connect that to a lamp inside of a monster mask. Uh, actually, his entire plan hinged so much on him plugging something in with a cord. regular length. Uh, <laughs> he just happens to find have the extension no, cord. No, th- I think he thought it through, think, but that was my favorite thing it. of like... He yeah, had this just, whole plan, and then he's like, oh, crap, the cord's not yeah. going to reach. And then he was like, oh, yeah. And there was, like, a shot of him reaching for the cord in his pocket, just like, what an industrious kid. Always that was also a very Doc Brown moment from the end yeah. of Back <laughs> to the Future. Everything ties More back to <laughs> I think I think I think MacGyver, too, with this little kid. Yeah. That was a debt. Uh, I will say, though, when so what the kid does, he has, like, a monster head that he fills up with stuff black powder and he puts it on a stick and that's the part i was talking about earlier where the monster is coming toward it even though there's no sound eventually the kid makes sound monster bites down starts chewing on it there's a cool little like extra jump bit where the kid's about ready to do it and then a slug thing jumps on his body and then he has to start stabbing it a bunch and blood's popping out i was like okay that's cool we didn't need this moment like, you didn't need it for this climax. But I was like, all right. And then the monster, the big mother monster goes to attack him. They try to do a fake out of like, ah, and he got the boy. But he actually bites its own, like, offspring. The mother, you know, alien bites its own offspring. So it has that in the mouth. But yeah, then the kid goes to blow up the alien. And this was the only part where I was really bummed out by the effects crew and i'm sure it's because they just genuinely did not have the budget and couldn't pull it off maybe they tried and the effect didn't work but basically he goes to plug it in and you the shot stays on the kid and there's an explosion we do not see the monster blow up we see the shot we see it happen we know it happens from the sound um there's light or whatever and then we see the aftermath of all the viscera and shit and, you know, if you would have taken that big puppet and just, like, shot it in, like, a barn or something and filled it with a bunch of balloons full of fake blood, 
you probably could have just literally blown it up with dynamite, you know, from a safe distance and uh, and gotten the shot you needed if it was all in black. Because it's supposed to be in an attic. So you could have put that shot in and no one would have known the difference. Um, but, you know, safety or whatever, or probably money. But, yeah, that's the only part where I was, like, bummed out, where I was like, ah, oh, come on, we need to see it blow up. Um. Yeah, safety. Nineteen eighty-three. Probably not the biggest. Yeah, that's, that's, but, a, good uh, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, but maybe they tried. You're right, and this, they only had one puppet to blow up, and it didn't work yeah. right. And uh, or the guy just didn't want to blow up his puppet because it was too much of his life work. Well, I did <laughs> that, see that they had to, they had to cut the puppet in half. They cut the head off <laughs> because when they made it, the guy made it like in his own basement and wasn't taking into account like getting it out of there and the sets and stuff <laughs> so to be able to like remove you mean it you're not and gonna shoot it... in my basement <laughs> to remove it and get it onto the set they had to like remove the thing cut off the thing's head and then reattach it later the end scene when uh the townspeople are going around killing the monsters in the uh in uh in the grass and all that yeah though there's also no monster effects there they're just, you see a little bit of shaking in the grass, and yeah. then it's a, uh, a shovel uh, going down I think, into it. Well, there's a little bit, because they have, uh, some of them had those, like, electro yeah. zapper things. Cattle yeah, and so they're zapping okay. some, and some of them are kind of, like, wiggling and shit. But yeah, I mean, not compared to what they were doing earlier in the film. Yeah. I will say, so there's talk, less about, of it. talk about a uh, well-put-together, like, neighborhood watch group, right? Like, hey, let's let's do the phone tree to get all the uh, the neighbors together to go round up the uh, alien slugs that attacked um, Charlie's, well, maybe Charlie's the, uh... place. Aliens again? All right, get machine. All right, someone start the fire. Maybe the, uh, the, the, other, the, the other houses didn't have as rough of a time with the aliens as this one did, <laughs> so they were just kind of like, hey, we took care of ours pretty easily. We'll go help you. <laughs> yeah. Like, we went out the window. You guys didn't go out the window? They can't go very fast. Yeah, we, we've been in the high school gymnasium this whole time. Uh, they got cots and stuff set up. How did they have so many? Because uh, several people had those uh, taser batons. Yeah. And and how popular were those? Just with families. Yeah. In '83. I don't know where it was supposed to take place, this movie. Yeah, I think depending on the state, you, you'd be surprised how many counterparts yeah. just lying around. I mean, there was a I rural... Think... The, the people weren't presented as farmers or anything, but there was a rural vibe to all of it. Yeah. So I think it's believable that you could have had, like, farming people that had them. Yeah. It was a small town, at least. The other effect, uh, which I saw, David, you posted the trailer for the movie, which I haven't watched... But the image from the YouTube trailer just completely gives away the ending, which, <laughs> yes. uh, which, which spoiler on this, but we've obviously yeah. talked about everything here. But the, uh, the very end, they've like killed off all of them, they think, or they're rounding up. And so far, we've seen all the little like baby slugs. We've seen some like mid-sized ones that are like more like the size of like a dog or cat. And then we have the big mama slug that's, um, about as tall or slightly taller than like a man eight feet eight okay feet. you think so okay it so exactly, uh, you know because yeah, yeah, they were talking about it on the radio all right yeah. the police Fair officer enough. was like all yeah right. we got a couple of three footers over here and the guy on all the right. other side's like you shouldn't have seen the one inside it was eight feet oh yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah, yeah. um but yeah so uh it, there there is a throwaway line near the end where one of the guys says uh 
something about yeah i think they just keep growing which has never been talked about at any other point up to the movie so they put this in kind of as like a little explanation but then there's just like one lone dude who's doing some cleanup and then a gigantic kaiju slug comes out of the ground uh just like bigger than the house itself like they've they've done some kind of insert with the puppet to make it look like it's larger than the actual house it's an effective shot it's cool Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good way to end the movie because it ended on this kind of like fuck uh like i mean (laughs) these these things have not actually been that hard to kill and realistically like you have the military and they just like blow it apart with you know you know bombs or machine guns or whatever but it also leads the question of like so that was like one that got away i guess how many more are out there that got away are there like 20 of these giant slug monsters so that was pretty cool yeah they could have used the line where the cop said we're gonna need a bigger cattle prod (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's taking one out of jaws (laughs) well that one at the end let's see yeah, that is, it's got grass and that kind of stuff on it. It is full-on mountain-sized. Yeah. Yeah, it's like in the hillside. Yeah, which had me wondering, like, when you just look at it, it looks like it is the mountain. And I'm kind of wondering, so did no one in that town look up at the mountains going, that mountain wasn't there before. <laughs> that mountain a- keeps moving there, Jim. <laughs> There's a new mountain. <laughs> They were focused on the alien worms that they had to, had to get. I don't think anyone was yeah, looking at fair. the scenery and going like, eh, I don't remember that, that hill being. How fast do mountains grow? Yeah. Mountains don't grow. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon, the Deadly Spawn 3, Return of the Mountains. Because <laughs> apparently right. there is a Deadly Spawn 2, kind of. Yeah, well, it, it, from what I saw, yeah, there is, like, a movie that has billed itself as that, but it, it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with the other and just was one of those, which happened a good deal in the 80s, where we just take some movie and throw a different title on it to either try to attach it to something else or to just, like, kind of, like, reboot the series. I mean, like, one of the more famous examples is, of course, Troll 2, which has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with the original Troll and uh, as one also of my House favorite three. House Three, yes, the anyone? House series, uh, and one, as one of my favorite trivia bits from IMDb, it wasn't there last time I was on there, but I remember years ago, uh, IMDb. If you went to the trivia for Troll Two, it used to say there are no trolls in Troll Two, only goblins, and I just <laughs> love the succinctness of that in uh, summing up. And then Troll Three is like about like killer plants or some shit. So uh, they used to do this kind of thing, but uh, yeah, they, uh, I can't remember what that movie's called, but in some areas they acted like it was a Deadly Spawn sequel. All right. Would you recommend The Deadly Spawn? I think I, uh, I would recommend it as a pretty um, impressive, low-budget horror movie. I mean, I think there's a lot worse you can do if you're looking for you know, kind of out there 80s movies in terms of, man, that wasn't worth my time or, you know, the effects aren't nearly up to par of this that had a much higher budget. So I think, you know, if you're a horror fan or if you're just looking for something interesting to watch in and around Halloween and you've watched the Friday the 13th movies more times than you can count, 
Um, this is a nice change of pace for your uh, Halloween movie playlist. I'm giving a copy to my friend Dustin tomorrow for his birthday. Aww. That is... <laughs> I saw it and thought, I gotta get this guy uh, uh, this movie. Like, I, I would recommend it to anyone who loves bad 80s horror movies. Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend to people, anyone who's just a fan of horror in general, because it is kind of one no one really ever talks about, uh, but it has a lot going for it, even for being as old as it is. But especially if you're a fan of, like, schlock and gory violence, it does not disappoint. Also, we've, we've all mentioned other movies that have come out since that are similar in moments to this. And I feel this is like the uh, that lost gospel that the rest of the gospels uh, borrowed from, from the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is the this movie has had an outsized influence on all film ever since. It's the Yadiraski's Dune of Horror. What David is saying is, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> Can we get it on the film registry? Can we like? Are you allowed to make suggestions? To demands, place? Eric. Are you allowed to make demands? <laughs> we just—is there an actual place that's where they house the films? We can just go shove it in the slot, and... <laughs> the DVD return slot, <laughs> National Film Registry. <laughs> just, <it's there. laughs> yeah. uh, we'll uh, we'll get like a Terrence Malick to get in and sneak in this Blu-ray instead. <laughs> um, all right, so for myself, yeah, Deadly Spawn, I would recommend it. I, I don't I don't think it's a great movie. Uh, like we talked about, there are, like, no good characters or dialogue, and the sense of time and space and everything is particularly bad even for a lot of rough horror. But it's also not so bad that it's like, oh, this is laughably bad. This is crazy. This yeah. is like an alien wrote this. It's just It's just bland and kind of there. But And that's so strange because the director was doing the effects and horror bits so well. Now, a lot of that's probably whoever he hired for the effects stuff just knew what the fuck they were doing. But even the way a lot of those moments are staged and set up is effective and works. So it is surprising that the guy, you know, I don't know what, um, you know, where his career ended up going or if this wasn't successful. And so, like, if he became discouraged or whatever, but... I think he could have had it in him to become like a fun schlocky director. Um, but as far as the movie itself, like, yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's a good Halloween viewing. I think the monster stuff's great. I'm definitely glad to have seen it after only knowing it as the poster. I also think this would be good if you were doing some kind of like, you know, multi-day thing or, you know, kind of like, you're going to watch movies in kind of like a series, not a film series, but like an under on a theme, like watch the 1980s blob, the 1980s thing, watch deadly spawn and watch several other like aliens crash landing on earth type movies. Like this could make sense in doing like four or five of those together. It's obviously not going to be better than the thing or the blob, but uh, it's going to be, you know, like a fun popcorn and beers kind of movie. So I would recommend The Deadly Spawn. All right. Um, past all that, can I find this? Uh, this movie has been uploaded in full on YouTube with numerous copies, 
for some reason. Multiple people have put up uh, versions of the Deadly Spawn, but I could not find it on streaming anywhere else. So it didn't seem to be like a purchasable YouTube file. I wasn't seeing it on the regular places we talk about of like Amazon Prime or Voodoo or any of those kind of things, Microsoft. It wasn't coming up. It could be out there somewhere. I don't know. But the normal sites that I look for for this kind of thing, it wasn't uh, popping up. It is on DVD, and you can buy it uh, pretty cheaply. It has been on Blu-ray, but it looks like the Blu-ray is out of print. It came out around like the early 2010s, and so it seems like it's gone out of print. You could still get copies, but uh, you know, not uh, for what it's probably worth. All right, so that is our wrap-up on the Deadly Spawn. We are going to chug right along for our Halloween movies for the month of October here. And we are going to go next go into the seminal film, the classic film, the 1932 film Freaks. Todd Browning's Freaks. So we will be looking at that coming up next. See you then. <laughs>